Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, September 15th, 2023. It's Friday afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States, so you know what that means. It's time for our Intelligence Roundtable with Ray McGovern and Larry Johnson. My dear friends, thank you for coming back to the show. You each have been on uh, separately earlier in the week, as is our custom. Larry, you sent me some uh, interesting things to read in the past 24 hours, arguing that Ukraine, again, has a serious manpower shortage. How serious is it? And what are they doing about it? Are they grabbing 16-year-olds and 60-year-olds? Well, they've, they've been doing that, so that's not new. What they were trying to do was to enlist Poland, Germany, Hungary, Romania, all the other European countries where there are literally uh, hundreds of thousands of a military-aged Ukrainian men hiding out to uh, get those countries to round them up, send them back so that Ukraine could then forcibly enlist them. And uh, many of those countries are not, they're not cooperating. They're, they're saying that they won't do it. So uh, this means these, that going these forward... Are, these are NATO countries... Correct. With, ...which are either directly through military aid or tacitly supporting Ukraine, and they're not going to round up Ukrainian migrants who have come to those countries for shelter so they wouldn't be grabbed by the, uh, by the corrupt Ukrainian recruiters. Right. So, you know, we've heard for a long time about the great unity of NATO and every man, NATO, we're with you, Ukraine. We're with you to the end. Well, <laughs> I guess we're at the end. Uh, because their with them, their with themness is disappearing. Uh, they're starting to distance themselves. Uh, the ability to p provide new weapon systems, even the Germans with uh, Annalena Baerbock has been a little hesitant to, to grant the promises that they're going to spell out with the weapon systems. And now this, that they're not going to enforce uh, the Ukrainian request to extradite. How, how serious is the manpower problem? The numbers that the three of us have seen and that no one has disputed shows about 450,000 deaths, about 380,000 Ukrainian military and the rest, you know, volunteers, soldiers of uh, fortune, foreigners fighting uh, for, uh, for Ukraine. Yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, higher, number, it's higher. It's higher. I think it's it's higher now. I think it's well over 500,000. Uh, 
so what 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 they're experiencing and you and you've seen it if if you watch some of the other news channels like sky news uh for a while there last year you know you'd get a ukrainian update every you know every half hour boy here's what ukraine's doing they're saying nothing they are saying zero it's dead mm. silence if things were going well for Ukraine, they'd be talking about it. There'd be parades, there'd be bands, you know, confetti would be falling. None of that's happening. And the reason it's not happening is because the, the Ukrainian forces are, are getting slaughtered. Um, Ray, when, when these people run from uh, Ukraine to other countries, does Ukrainian intel or American intel know where they are and report on their whereabouts, or does intel have more... Uh, pressing matters to surveil than the location of people uh, escaping the draft. I think in the midst of war, Judge, that they have more pressing things to look at. I don't uh, don't doubt that they would try to track these people, but uh, I think it'd be impossible to do that given the millions, that's with an M, right, of refugees right. that have gone abroad to other countries. Um, is the U.S military spreading rumors that there's low morale in the russian military and if that is true why would the u.s military be doing that larry well the um i asked a friend who's who's had access to the briefings that the chairman you know that lloyd austin's getting that mark milley's getting and it's it's, it's really a a, a a dual, I guess, a double-edged picture. On the one hand, DIA is the you know the analysts, average analysts at the Defense Intelligence Agency. They are accurately reporting how bad things are going, so that it it is uh, it, it's not uh, you know they're not being given a rosy scenario. But that said, I then said, well, okay, so how's the chain of command? Is the chain of command? accepting this and and my friend came back and said you know the the, the general spin that continues to be out there is that russian morale is is falling through the floorboards and that the ukrainians are making very slow gains you know and and the front's going to eventually collapse they're putting a lot of money on the front's going to collapse when they say the front is going to collapse what do they mean the russians are going to collapse yeah, yeah. <laughs> russians are they're going to you know, fall on a fainting couch and uh, break out in right. a cold so, sweat. So um, American uh, senior military, that's what they want us to believe. Well, in fact, and you heard it from, you know, last week we, you played a clip of uh, General David Petraeus. That's what he was saying. So Petraeus is not just making up his own view. That is general. It's been widely sort of presented among some of his former colleagues who are still active duty. Ray, when you were advising the White House on the state of affairs uh, from the intelligence community, did you and your colleagues take into account the Defense Intelligence Agency? And if you did, were they likely to be more consistent with truthful observations than the CIA? Well, we did take them into account. We didn't really have to because we had a direct channel to the president. But if there were an issue at dispute that meant something and DIA disagreed with, let's say, CIA or NSA people, 
we would try to resolve that in an honest way. And sometimes in the president's daily brief itself, we will put a little dissent saying DIA does not agree with this. Now, when you're at war, we have a syndrome where the intelligence agencies defer to the military. The cardinal mm-hmm. example of this was when we proved to Director Richard Helms in 1967 that there were twice as many Viet Cong under arms as General Westmoreland would allow to be counted. He said it had to be no long, no, no more than 299,000, right? We knew that it was twice that. Then came Tet, okay? Now, when Tet realized that the BC could, could attack every hamlet, village, town, and city in South Vietnam, we knew, and LBJ knew, that the military was lying, that Westmoreland and the, and, and the Army intelligence was lying through its teeth. So what happened? This is really instructive. In March of 1968, after Tet, Tet was in late January, early February, the military and the civilian people came to LBJ and said, okay, here's the truth. We've lost. It's, it's, it's outrageous. Uh, and you know what? You better not try to run for president again because you're not going to win Bobby Kennedy and, and others are, are gaining on you. And the next thing you know, LBJ gets up on the TV on March 31st, right. 1968, says, I'm not going to run again. Right. And that was the end of Vietnam for all intents and purposes. Now, so it, you it both dragged have, on for a long time. You both have educated uh, the listening audience and me on the phenomenon of true and accurate data being acquired uh, by officers, but by the time it makes its way up the food chain, it has political spin on it so that the recipient mm-hmm. of it, whether it's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff or the Secretary of State or the President of the United States, uh, is pleased so that the, uh, the, the people informing the ultimate uh, authority tell him what they think he wants to hear. Right. Does the military, does the DIA have more of a reputation for being truthful and honest and consistent with the observation of its agents on the ground than the CIA does? Larry. Well, it, it depends on the situation. So uh, with respect to the war in Syria back in 2012, 2013, uh, the DIA then under uh, Mike Flynn, was actually doing a better job than the CIA of accurately and uh, reporting on what was going on on the ground. Because you get a lot of media reports and stuff leaked from the CIA that Syria was on, you know, the Bashar Assad, the leader of Syria, was gone. He was weak. He, he was going to collapse, going to go any minute. And that the rebels were winning. Uh, and yet DIA was reporting exactly uh, the opposite. During the war in Central America... Uh, when I was the Honduran analyst, it was just the opposite. DIA was more of a cheerleader. So I think it really depends on the issue, and it depends on who's managing. Personalities actually will may play an important role. Who's okay. managing that particular section, and are they demanding uh, objectivity from the analysts or political correctness? What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. 
Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay. Um, we're going to go back I, to Ukraine because I want to play a clip from uh, Jack Devine uh, a few hours ago. And then I want to spend some time uh, talking about North Korea uh, and its uh, relationship with Russia. And Jake Sullivan saying uh, Vladimir Putin went to Kim Jong-il begging for military supplies, forgetting, of course, that we have gone to South Korea asking for the same thing. But first, here's Jack just a few minutes ago on what need to say this with a straight face. What needs to be done in order for the fighting in Ukraine to stop? What we have to do to get Putin to stop is you need to keep the fighting going for six more months. You have to keep this going so that he is convinced that no, it's not realistic, and therefore I have to join the Ukrainians in a more realistic solution. He's not going to sit down with Zelensky. There's going to have to be people to talk about. There will be nothing public. This thing will just wind down with some ground rules that will be unwritten. So I think we're going to stick with it, and God forbid we pull back because then Putin will think, I can continue this for another year, right? He has to be convinced, and the only way he's going to be convinced in the next few months, and I think he's heading there, and Rogozin is a real wake-up call for that this thing has to end or his own political stability is at risk. Ray, is this um, uh, a classic example of the American mindset uh, vis-a-vis the war in Ukraine? Well, Judge, I think I've said before, there are operators and there are analysts at the CIA. Jack Devine, wonderful operator, But he shouldn't claim to know much about substantive intelligence. What he says is ridiculous on its face. Uh, Ukraine is losing badly. The question will be whether NATO decides to put footprints or troops in on the ground there uh, before it's a complete loss. The decision that exists in Washington uh, what they have to grapple with is a is a, a total loss in Ukraine and whether they try to compensate for that by attack them type missiles, which have a range of 190 miles, like 300 kilometers. Uh, they just can escalate up the kazoo, whereas the, the Russians, as President Obama said in one of his most sober moments, have escalatory dominance, means look at the map and the Russians Mm. can do what they want and they will do what they want. So, you know, Jack shouldn't pretend to be, have a, uh, a a crystal ball. He doesn't. And he's been rather consistently on the cheerleading side, but that's the role of the operators there. We're supporting the war for God's sake. How can you say anything other 
then Putin is about to fall apart. All right. So even though uh, Larry Jack is uh, no longer on active duty, he still mouths that right. line. But the line that he articulated, I mean, is this generally uh, believed by uh, leadership in the intel and military communities uh, in the West? The way to stop the war is to keep fighting it? Yeah, I mean, they, they, a few, a few at the top. We're not talking lower level people, but we're talking folks who are in decision making positions have persuaded themselves that Russia is weak. The troops poorly led, poorly fed, uh, poorly supplied. Uh, they are suffering from a morale standpoint uh, and that uh, Putin is on the ropes. We just need to keep applying a little bit of pressure. And then he's going to collapse. You know, it's the I, I keep you referring to it, but it's it's an apple. It's an apt metaphor. It's the Christopher Walken more cowbell scenario. You know, when he did that Saturday Night Live speech a skit, and every time uh, the the band would stop playing, he or he they're playing along, he'd come out and say, "We need more cowbell." Well, that's what these guys are doing. We just just keep doing the same thing that has not worked over the last eighteen months, and. By God, eventually it's going to work. It's this is what a degenerate gambler does when they continue to lose uh, at blackjack. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Yeah, Jack. Uh, DIA works for the Pentagon. Uh, the Secretary of Defense is an old general that has a record on falsifying intelligence. In his Ooh. case, as CENTCOM commander on Syria. Okay, so he is the recipient of data from the DIA, and he falsifies it either to the public, to his colleagues, or to his uh, superiors. Well, it was either DIA or his forces, his intelligence unit down there in Tampa under CENTCOM. Larry knows about this. What happened, of course, is they said, you know, Syria is crazy. You shouldn't be funding al-Nusra and al-Qaeda, and it's not going to be good. It's just to help Israel have disarray in Syria. Now, what did what did Austin do with that? He changed it. How does people change it? And more than 50, this is unprecedented, Judge, more than 50 intelligence analysts, not only from his own command, but from DIA, went to the Pentagon Inspector General and said, look, this is what's happening. An inquiry ensued. And of course, Austin had four stars. The general doing the inquiry only had two stars. So you know what that means. Okay. Now, DIA has stood up, and I want to I want to say one thing good about DIA because it really deserves to be emphasized. After the coup that we arranged in Kiev, right? Uh, after that coup, a year later, the yearly briefing of the threat report by the intelligence community was due, and DIA did its own congressionally ordered assessment, and this is how it read. The Kremlin is convinced that the United States is laying the groundwork for regime change in Russia, a conviction further reinforced by events in Ukraine. Moscow views the United States as the critical driver behind the crisis in Ukraine and believes that the overthrow of former Ukrainian President Yanukovych is the latest move in a long-established pattern of U.S.-orchestrated regime change efforts, period, end quote, Lieutenant General Vincent Stewart, director, DIA. He was a Marine general. 
He told it like it is. I don't know where he is now, but he didn't get any medals for that. <laughs> well, I was going to say that that statement is right, uh, right on the mark. Uh, let me play you. We're going to switch to North Korea as promised. I have a lot to talk about with Ukraine, but we're running uh, out of time. Here's uh, Jake Sullivan uh, over the weekend at Camp David um, uh, commenting, obviously, negatively uh, about the meeting, which has since taken place between uh, Kim Jong-un and uh, Vladimir Putin. We are concerned about the relationship, including the technology and security relationship between Russia and the DPRK. Uh, in terms of the specific report you're referring to about Russian missile, missile technology and North Korean missiles, I don't have anything to add to that today. I will say it's something our intelligence community is taking a hard look at. And this is also a dynamic picture because, as we have seen, Russia has been seeking to get uh, materiel for its war effort in Ukraine from Pyongyang, from North Korea. Don't we get materiel from Seoul, from South Korea, Larry? Yeah, we went we went for our beggars cup and got a bunch of 155 millimeter artillery shells to send to Ukraine because we could no longer make them or we couldn't no. make them fast enough. So this look what what these guys can t- refuse to accept and acknowledge is Russia's moves with North North Korea. I think it was Doug McGregor that used the phrase horizontal escalation. So what what Russia is doing is expanding the threat environment that the United States is going to have to worry about. So now North Korea is added to the mix. Plus North Korea, that they can send plenty of workers to work in factories in Russia that Russia does not necessarily have all the personnel they need to fill those factories. So, you know, this is a win-win for both sides. And and if, if the United States wants to foolishly convince itself that this is a sign of Russian weakness, go ahead and believe that. I mean, wow. you know, I, I've learned that with, when people get off on these crazy tangents, no amount of fact or reason can shift their minds. The only thing that will teach them is the hard knocks of life. Uh, Ray. The bizarre aspect of this is that Russia has given already, has given North Korea its Topol M ICBM intercontinental ballistic missile. Now, we know that because Ted Postal has analyzed that and the specific report that uh, Sullivan is referring to is that report. Now, uh, unless you suggest that there was a 3D copier or something that went to the Topol and made it into a North Korean thing with different markings, it's the same missile. So how long will the US, will the White House be able to to keep this report down uh, because it shows what has done, what Ukraine has done in terms of uh, engendering a much closer relationship, not only with China, but with North Korea. And uh, it surprised all of us, but that is a Soviet, (laughs) sorry, that is a Russian missile there that was tested in April. There's no denying that fact. So Sullivan's having real trouble with that and I expect he'll continue to have that trouble. Gary, run the uh, clip of the comparison between uh, American high-end missiles uh, and uh, and Russian. So, which which is American and which is Russian, Larry? Which is the superior of the two? Yeah, yeah. It's a 
I had not seen that before. So the Russian one, the hypersonic, can uh, evade radar, and it obviously gets to the target before the blue one. I'm not sure what it's called, the ballistic, which is the ones that uh, that we have. Are Russian offensive missiles superior to Americans' offensive oh, yeah. missiles? Yes, yes. I mean, just the simple fact that the Russians have already solved the hypersonic problem and the United States is still in the process of trying to test a functional missile that can be deployed. And I, I, I mean, I know firsthand from an individual that's one of the directors of that program that, you know, they're looking to try to do that in uh, November, December of this year. So they're still months away. So Russia Russia's far ahead of us in this regard. And, and Putin just has recently come out and indicated they've got some other uh, surprises that they're going to be unveiling uh, in the next uh, month or two. Uh, uh, Ray, the uh, missile on the bottom in that chart. Gary, you can run it again. This is from the Wall Street Journal, by the way. I, it came out a few minutes ago. The one on the, on the bottom, the red one, the one that's faster, the hypersonic, is that... Yeah. Is that what North Korea received from Russia? No, no, it's a ballistic missile, the one on the top. Okay. Uh, but it's a very modern ballistic missile. It has many warheads and many decoys, and it's a, it needs to be tested, but it's there in North Korea. Uh, the, the point about the hypersonic missiles, the ones at the, the bottom line that, that go uh, eight or nine times the speed of sound, there's right. no defense against them. And none, none other than uh, President Biden has, has admitted that there's no defense against them. They are being tested and used in Ukraine. Now, the U.S. does not have an equivalent. Now, once the U.S. has an equivalent, it's probably a matter of two or three years, those might be put in those missile installations in Romania and in Poland. And that's what the Russians really worry about, because that gives them five minutes target to launch to target before it hits moscow or some of the icbms arrayed in the european part of of russia so there's a real problem we the russians have the edge right now and uh it's really quite amazing to me that the u.s can try to build all these f-35s and all that stuff and can't develop can't develop a uh, our, hypersonic, hypersonic our, our defense budget larry is 10 times, literally 10 times the defense budget of the Russian government. Right. Our, our secretary of defense is a former board member, executive, investor, cheerleader for Raytheon. <laughs> and we still don't have the defenses we right. need? Yeah. Well, and part of it, you know, again, this goes back to George W. Bush when he withdrew from the anti-ballistic missile treaty. And uh, at the time, this was right before 9-11, uh, the, 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 the planning was that the United States was going to work on developing a missile defense system. 9-11 happened. They diverted all the resources to the so-called global war on terrorism. And the United States just never really made much progress on that, while the Russians said, okay, if that's how you want it, boom. They were off to the races. They developed multiple uh, missile systems that that can operate as both at the hypersonic level and they develop missile defense systems, the S-500, S-550, which are capable of shooting down U.S. intercontinental ballistic missiles. 
Ray, can you sleep at night knowing all this? Sure, yeah. I have great faith in uh, the way things are going to come out. They'll come out all right. It's just that you and Larry and I and others need to get this word out to the American people because we have an election coming up and we can make this truth stick if we get it to enough people. That's why I can sleep at night. God bless you. Gentlemen, thank you very much. A great uh, a great conversation and much appreciated by the uh, fans who are watching uh, and uh, who have been uh, writing in uh, during it. These Friday afternoon sessions are a fan favorite, and I'm deeply grateful for all the time uh, you've given us. Thank you very much. Well, there you, you have Judge. it, Mike. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you both next week. There you have it, my friends, uh, judging uh, freedom. At the outset of the show, we had 199,481 subscriptions. We're going to break 200,000 by tonight. Thanks to you. Another Another wonderful week of our work, I hope you think it's wonderful, uh, is coming up next week. We do our best for you, looking out for your liberty.